0: for joining this episode of the Inner Circle podcast. I have with me this week, uh, Andy Smith from Centrify. So Andy, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks, Tony. Uh, yeah, so this is Andy Smith from Centrify. I uh, run the marketing team and and uh, product marketing for Centrify. I've been here just over a year. I uh, came from the identity and security business at Oracle and, uh, you know, happy to be here very good. Thank you for joining me.
0: Um, so, you know, the, the, the big, you know, the, the main focus of Centrify uh, has has been zero trust. And in the time that you know, like that I've been working with zero, and that not was zero trust with Centrify. Uh, you know, I've noticed that kind of growing as a trend and as a buzzword, and I see more companies using the term zero trust and, and, and making that sort of like a hallmark of of security, so uh, like, why don't you give me a little bit about you know what what your what are your thoughts on zero trust and kind of like where it's at right now in in the industry?
1: Yeah, uh, I wrote a blog just recently about this. It's kind of gone from buzzword to actual reality and implementation. Um, uh, I've seen the the change in just the last year between when I'm speaking at a at a conference or something you know having to explain what it is and now uh, i was at a a CISO uh, conference um a week ago monday or yeah a week ago today and um uh they were all basically the entire room you know i didn't have to go into definitional mode anymore and so it's definitely um grown in popularity in fact we did a survey uh, um, earlier this year uh that said it was on it would you know zero trust and blockchain were equally Desired to uh, to find out more about et cetera. So you know on that on that relative um, scale of, of interest level, and um, what what we're finding is now companies are really using it for implementation. So uh, Google you know would say they're complete with their zero trust uh, approach to their how they handle their network and how they do their access controls, um, and uh, companies like uh, Akamai have done it. And so you know it's definitely going from hype and buzz to into reality now for many companies
0: yeah and, I, and I, you know, one of our uh recent uh inner circle podcasts that i did with adobe they were talking about basically they're sort of like uh they kind of did a roll their own you know approach to zero trust you know within their own network too so i mean it it, it like i say it's definitely caught on and it, i mean and in my mind and you correct me if i'm wrong or if you have a different opinion in my mind it's, it's like an extension or an evolution of you know for years we all we always talked from a security perspective uh, just about least privileged access and just saying okay well you know let's not make everyone an admin on their on their local machine let's you know make sure that people only have access to the things they're supposed to have access to and then you know you as as things kind of move along and you go you know you, you go through time and and you find out that you know the attackers very frequently are either have somehow Compromised or stolen or hacked credentials of a valid user, and 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 today I feel like nine times out of ten, at the point of the actual attack or at the at the point of like data egress, it is for all intents and purposes an inside attack, True. because because the attacker is using valid credentials, and so from from your perspective as the security professional, there's really no difference between whether or not Andy Smith personally is is executing an internal attack. Or if someone has Andy Smith's credentials, it's just exactly. it, it's just how do I stop Andy Smith from doing something he's not supposed to do?
1: It's, it's funny because uh, I can't claim credit for the line, but I love it. Hackers no longer hack in; they log in, right? <laughs> That's right. exactly what you're referring to. And uh, uh, and so you know, if you look at the the you know the Mandiant kill chain or any of the you know attacks uh, chain diagrams, it always you know starts with. How they get in, and zero trust assumes they're already in, and so like that first part was easy. They just had to fish you. They did whatever. They took advantage of a of an open, you know, vulnerability. But then zero trust really all starts with how do I keep them from moving laterally across the network, uh, you know, settling in and searching for their targets. How do I keep them out of that once they find their target, elevating privilege and and going after it. And so um, definitely you know, zero trust really is the mantra of if you start with the assumption that the attackers are already in your network, how would I build the rest of my security? Right. And so that's uh, that's what it's all about.
0: Right. And and, and so and, and, and so the kind of the difference between, you know, like I've got a door with a lock on my on, on the front of my house once I open that door and I let you in, I mean, you've got free reign for the house. You can walk wherever you want, do whatever you want. I'm not checking. I'm not checking your credentials again. I'm not, you know, you, you just have free reign of the whole house um, yeah. as opposed to if I were to have a separate lock and a separate door at each separate room. And, you know, if you want to get from the living room to the hallway, you've got to, you know, pass the test again. And if you want to get from the hallway to the, you know, bedroom, whatever, you know, you have to pass the test again. It's that that difference. And, you know, I think when when you just talk about it or at, at a conceptual level, it sounds tedious or it sounds like, OK, well, now you're adding like all these layers of I have to constantly authenticate. But but the reality of of zero trust implemented properly is that all of that's kind of seamlessly happening on the back end. You're not like constantly logging in. Correct.
1: Right. No, no more than you are today. Right. So today I, I log into the network and then I log in. Uh, to the individual application I'm going after or into the database or whatever. So those are the same uh, logins. Um, but the difference um, with zero trust is I may add multi-factor authentication. Um, and, and then I may, uh, for those privileged accounts, I, I should do privilege uh, elevation and make sure it's least privileged when I log in. Don't log in with root. Which give me access to everything. You know, log, in, log in with the privileges you need. And if you need to do special stuff, then you elevate privilege. And, and so um, those are best practices forever. There's nothing new with zero trust. It's just saying, hey, you know, really just don't trust, don't trust what what uh, the those network, that network, that first network step, right? And just give you access to an entire segment of servers, et cetera. Um, and so it's not that different. And, and the cool thing about multi factor, even doing multi factor, we're all now way more used to it in our just our consumer lives, right? So if our, our Gmail account or our Twitter, et cetera, um, you know, needing to do multi factor, now you can do it really adaptive so that, you know, for me, it's easy if I'm logging in from work on my laptop, then I don't get prompted because that's normal for Andy. But when Andy travels, like I was at that CISO conference, Um, I was on my laptop, but I was on a different network um, and uh, in a different location. And so, ah, okay, that's new for Andy, prompt for multi-factor authentication, make sure that is him. And so you can be, you know, on your normal day-to-day from home or from from the office, I don't ever get prompted for multi-factor authentication, but if I'm traveling, some weird time I'm logging in, et cetera, then I get prompted. So it's not nearly as onerous as it used to be. Uh, in the past, when it was kind of always on multi-factor authentication,
0: right, and that may, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it comes down to that sort of, and and again, I feel like this is a, from a few years ago now, but uh, just the idea that, you know, yes, if I look and I say, well, you know, Andy Smith is a is a legitimate user. Andy Smith has access to this network. He's allowed to do such and such things, but you can take one step back and say, okay, yeah, but Andy Smith normally logs in from you know eight to five Monday through Friday maybe a little bit on the weekend from home um but why is andy smith suddenly logging in at 3 a.m from you know jerusalem
1: yeah, exactly right. and,
0: and 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 it's like well at that point it's fair to question you know what, what's going on here and and that seems like a very obvious kind of first step um and i was gonna say so as you were talking about that it was occurring to me that it's sort of like zero trust is kind of a uh the, the concept is sort of a mashup of a couple of different things that were already sort of established best practices, one one being least privileged and the other, as you just described, sort of being like single sign-on. It's like kind of taking the least privilege and single sign-on, mer- merging them together and then just adding kind of that extra step to go back to my house analogy of saying, okay, but I'm going to keep on checking. I'm not just going to yep. assume that because I let you in once, it's good. I'm going to keep on checking and say, okay, do you still have access? Do you still have a reason to be doing what you're doing? Um, and and where that becomes, I think, more important um, is, you know, so yeah, if I've just got you know Joe working in the mailroom, and I log him in log him in with least privilege, the damage that can be done if an attacker gets his credentials should be relatively slim. I mean, you know, he they shouldn't really be able to get to much but there are people in the company who are admins and, and who do have access and so yeah. and that, that's where I think it becomes a, a bigger deal it's like well if you get those credentials there's all kinds of things you can do that look quote unquote normal you know from the network perspective or 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 at least they're authorized you know you would say okay well yeah that, that's Andy Andy has access to everything um and that's where I think you have to start really applying uh, a little bit more intelligence to that equation and a little bit more behavior analysis to say well yes andy has access but you know does he need to be doing what he's doing right this minute
1: yeah yeah and what uh if you if you look at overall zero trust i would i put the two high level categories it that get that, that it gets into so the zero trust networking which is about you know uh you know these perimeter just around kind of the the four walls you know, uh, of your network um, is old date, you know, old, old style uh, controls. And so there's a, you know, a bunch of work going on with micro segmentation and things like that uh, of the network. And so there's a, a whole movement under zero trust networking that, you know, the, the Palo Alto's and the Cisco's uh, are all involved in. And then there is access controls. That's what we've been talking about, right? So um, access to applications, access to servers, access to infrastructure. Um, and out of that access, there's kinds of two technologies uh, that follow, like, like you said, that have been around for a long time, but are getting a new, little bit new lease on life and changing some of the um, ecosystems that they're involved in. So under access, the way I classified as end-users accessing applications, and that's more of the um, identity as a service or access, you know, broader access management technology, single sign-on, um, uh, you know, and, and end users, those those end users, mailroom guy that may not have much, but not admins. And then there's privilege access management, uh, which is exactly what you talked about, the people with high privileges, the admins, you know, that are the, the DBAs, right, that are logging into much more sensitive and much more um, uh, risky um, uh, services. Uh, and that's our all-around privilege access management. So if we take zero trust, centrify, um. Recently, went through where we spun out our IDAS business, and now cent- the new Centrify is focused just on privilege access management. And uh, and so we we've defined, coined a new term called zero trust privilege, just um, just to focus on on that aspect of the of kind of the larger zero trust umbrella.
0: Okay. Um. All right. So so yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, like like I was saying with that, it's like you know, if if I've got someone and they're the admin yes they have access to, to pretty much anything I mean or, or at least very broad access um, and there's there are plenty of things that someone in that position can do that are legitimate and authorized and you know it so it becomes I think much more challenging uh, to monitor that behavior and to, to, to really determine okay is this legitimate or is this not but I think that's where if, if we come back to what you were talking about earlier uh, I think that's where like the adaptive Two-factor or adaptive multi-factor, I think, plays a, a an important role to say, okay, well, you know, yeah, you know, this guy's an admin; and he has access to do all these things. But let's just, you know, th- this this is out of the ordinary, or this is an unusual behavior. Let's just pause and make sure this is still Andy.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you can do it um, both, you know, both upon kind of upon entry, right? Uh, that that first access, um, but then also, what are the commands that are being run? Um, uh, you can do pile integrity checking to see things you know that are being changed during that session. Because in the in the privilege, what's what's unique about the privilege access management space, uh, and and zero trust privilege is that I actually control the session, and so I can look what's going on inside that session, um, uh, what might be going on on the OS um, of uh, uh, of a web server, um, what kinds of queries are being run, and and so I can uh, have access to to data that not just at the access point, but what are the actual commands being run? And is that normal? Uh, if, I, if I have somebody who's normally a DBA and all of a sudden they're changing web server configs, I can detect that with this, this um, you know, basically um, user behavior analysis and uh, the machine learning engines. And that's the kind of stuff that, that never existed before. I mean, you might give it to a forensic analysis who went through days of you know, audit logs, but now the technology can do that for you. And that's what's really cool. Right,
0: yeah, kind of the ability to make those decisions uh, on on the fly um, is cool. Um, so, can you think of or, or are there any? Uh, and I, I, we don't have to like name names of companies per se, but just recent events, perhaps that that you know where where zero trust might have been, you know, might have come into play, might have helped someone avoid a problem.
1: Well, I love the uh, the Starwood slash Marriott breach recently, right? That, uh, uh, you know, those attackers were in for years on the yeah. network, right? And so that to me, that's like the perfect example of uh, of a, a place where, you know, if you had assumed that those people were already in, you could have kept them uh, out of those databases. Um, and so, you know, definitely a need for zero trust, Um the, uh, another interesting use case uh, is about third-party access. So it was the uh, atrium uh, breach a couple weeks ago. Um, they have a, um, uh, a third-party billing provider that they had uh, health records and you know, patient records with, um, and it was the third party that got breached. Um, and so it, that one pointed out that you know also part of Zero Trust is uh, thinking about your supply chain Right. And, and making sure that they're having some of the same kinds of controls. Absolutely. I
0: mean, and that's and that's not even uh, again, that that's a, that is a concept that's not new per se. I mean, I think it's, it's gotten more attention lately, especially after like the, the target breach, you know, where you have, you know, third party, you know, contractors and, and, and that becomes the, the way in. But even, you know, 15 you know going on 20 years ago uh when when i was you know working more in the trenches uh, on the security consulting side uh you know even then i was looking at you know i was working with customers like general motors and saying okay well general motors itself yeah yeah we're pretty secure but you know general motors is dealing with hundreds of suppliers yeah. and, and vendors who are all you know getting some level of access and and if i'm an attacker uh it's a lot easier for me to go after some small contracting shop that's just providing, you know, coffee <laughs> to the break rooms at General Motors, who for some reason has network access, uh, you know, than it is to go after General Motors itself.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it really is that, you know, as you said, you know, th- these types of controls and, and privilege management in general is not new. Um, uh, but what's new is, uh, the environment that, w- that I'm in and the number of attack surfaces. So, you know, uh, ten years ago it was servers and databases and network devices, but those were all inside your four walls of your network perimeter. Well, then comes the advent of cloud, so stuff starts moving outside the network, and I'm, uh, you know, my the deprioritization of the network in a sense. Uh, then comes big data, so I have way more data than I ever had before. Then comes DevOps, which automates a bunch of things you know, it's no longer humans logging in, these are services talking to each other. Uh, And then things like microservices containers, where it used to be, you know, one human access, you know, one or a couple of humans accessing a server, to now that is hundreds or thousands of microservices or containers. So the the things, the amount of things you have to protect is more than ever before. It's just a much more dynamic environment. All those are new attack surfaces uh, for the hackers to go after. Uh, and there's more outsourcing, uh, you could you could add that to the mix right? and all, as we just talked about, those are all different than 10 years ago. And that's really why you had to move from legacy, what we, what we defined as kind of legacy, Pam, was good enough, put shared accounts up in a vault and rotate the password and stuff like that. That was good enough when everything was all inside your four walls. But with all these new attack services, you need to be much more uh, dynamic and take the zero trust approach. Well,
0: and, and you know, so you just you just talked about uh, things like microservices and DevOps and containers. And, and that's a it's a very good point that a lot of the, the in a lot of cases, the majority of the quote unquote accounts that are logging in and connecting and doing things are now automated. I mean, they're not there's not a human behind that. That's just a service that's connecting and doing a thing. And, uh, and it and those things are happening at a volume that is you know challenging at best or possibly impossible mm. <laughs> for a human to keep up with uh and 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 to make those decisions and and so yeah, i i think you know when you when you look at that and you look at the the, the volatility of a devops cloud microservices container environment and the the, the volume of different APIs and services and and you know containers that are connecting to one another and communicating and doing things, uh, it, it becomes like I say much more challenging and and much more important to be able to look at those things because it's it, it it's relatively easy I mean it it, it obviously gets more challenging the larger the company is but it's relatively easy for me as the security person to say okay I know Andy Smith I know what Andy Smith's role is I I, I have an idea of what he's doing and why Um, and I can look at that and say oh hey that that's kind of weird that Andy is doing that thing you know let me look into that more but when you start taking that to thousands of services that are and and APIs and containers that are called connecting and communicating at once it becomes much easier for me as the attacker to just kind of merge in there and just do things, and it's like you know, there's no there's no way for a human to build and know you know every single one of the containers and services that are in operation at any given time and what they're supposed to be doing.
1: And, and it's re- it's really what has extended you know the the um, lots of talk in the industry about identity being the new perimeter um, and what you need with all those services and all those um, all those microservices, each container, et cetera, you need to be IoT devices, et cetera, you need to be giving all those identities, right? So that human idea, when we talk about identity management and who's accessing things, used to be people, uh, and it still is people, but you're adding all those machine interfaces and all those services, uh, accessing APIs, and so those all need to be assigned identities, uh, and then they can deal with temporary credentials, the, the thing we're finding now, and in fact, I think it was the Uber breach, where uh, developers knew that this service had to contact another service, and they started putting credentials and passwords in the code, right? Static passwords in the code, and, and then in their case, they shared some code with a third party, put it up in GitHub, and somebody just scanned GitHub and found you know, a field equal to password, and there's the password right there. And so yeah, like super super bad practice and everybody knows it's a bad practice is to hard code you know passwords into your code but developers are still going to do it because it's kind of the easiest thing to do and you know the the what we need why we need to cut to DevSecOps ops as opposed to just DevOps is those developers need to code in to call out to a credential vault um, that are you know now all the PAM vendors like ourselves have used to be called a password vault, and now it's a secrets vault and a credential vault. And and in there, you're storing not only passwords, but you're storing generic secrets. You're storing, you know, SSH keys. Uh, you can retrieve tokens, and um, and so it's much more than that. And it's all automated. I mean, this is all happening behind the scenes. Um, that there, you know, there really isn't people involved. But that's it's it's making sure the developers realize and utilize. Um, these dynamic credentials, short-lived credentials, and and the, the privilege that they get—that's a machine accessing another machine. It's only designed to do one specific thing, so it should have a very limited, you know, authorization. Once it's authenticated itself, it only needs a very specific privilege, and so you, that all needs to be laid out as part of the privilege access management solution.
0: Right. I was going to say, I think when it comes to things like uh, like like you described the Uber breach, I think sometimes what happens is. You know, a developer does that partially out of expedience and partially, I think, thinking, "Well, this is i am just building this this thing in my lab for this purpose. Uh, you know, this isn't this isn't like a production thing."
1: Yeah, and I'll then, fix it but later. Then, <laughs> but then that memo gets
0: lost along the way. You know, that developer gets moved to some other project, and then everyone just kind of forgets that the password's embedded. Next thing you know, the the code is out on GitHub, and everyone can
1: download it. Exactly right, and and this has been. I mean, there's various security tools that will scan these code repositories and look for this kind of thing, but it happens way more often than you'd think.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like you just have a condition in there that says, if you find code that says PW equals, you know, just stop there. Stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and everybody knows it's a bad practice, but yeah, it's exactly as you said. It wasn't the intent. I never thought this would make a production, you know, nobody's necessarily trying to be malicious, clearly, but... Uh, but those are the kinds of mistakes that happen that can be costly
0: right um, All right well I, I think that's uh, that should kind of wrap things up. I mean I think that it's, it's you know, like I said I think zero trust is definitely it, it's definitely gained momentum. It's definitely you know there are more companies you know r- correctly or not uh, claiming they're doing it <laughs> um, uh, but but even 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 if they're even if they're incorrectly claiming they're doing it or they're not doing it as well, uh, I think just the fact that it's become a mainstream concept, I think, is beneficial uh, in general. Uh, that everyone everyone now understands that this is a thing that we should at least be striving for. Um, and as long as we've as long as we've established that part, then we can get into the nuances of okay, well, how is you know solution A better than solution B? Uh, exactly. And, and those types of things. But uh, One... uh,
1: Yeah. Go ahead. One thing we are seeing is that the market is, I mean, the market's realizing. Uh, so in the the privilege access management space, um, Gartner finally came out with its first ever privilege access management uh, MQ. They've never had one before. So that's because of demand. They put that out there. They're forecasting PAM to be uh, the number two uh, highest growth uh, information security initiative uh, it, wa- it was listed by Gartner as one of the top 10 security initiatives of 2018. And so the, the market's realizing that, you know, these new attack services are there. And although privilege access management's, you know, 30 years old or whatever, and these aren't necessarily new, con- the, these, the controls are the objectives of those controls are kind of the same, how you implement them is entirely new and, and the kinds of things you integrate with, I'm integrating with AWS and Azure and et cetera. And so all these things, all these things we've been talking about are kind of fresh in this pan space. And so the, what I love is that it seems like, yeah, I don't have to convince you now that you need to invest in it, the market is realizing. Yep,
0: very cool. Well, thank you for joining me uh, and uh, have a, uh, a safe and happy holiday break.
1: All right, thanks
2: a lot, Tony.
0: All right. Talk to you later. Thank you.
2: This episode of Inner Circle is sponsored by Centrify. The traditional approach to security is based on the concept of trust, but verify companies trust employees. They trust vendors, suppliers, partners, and typically only watch for suspicious or malicious activity uh, that seems anomalous. The reality, though, is that The suspicious and malicious activity generally originates from those trusted accounts. Two thirds of companies are still breached anyway, and more than 80% of those breaches involve weak default or stolen passwords. Centrify provides next gen access with zero trust security. In other words, security based on the premise of never trust, always verify. You can click the centrify logo at the upper right of the techspective website uh, to learn more or visit directly by going to centrify.com that's c-e-n-t-r-i-f-y.com go check it out
0: thank you for listening i hope that you uh got some entertainment or education or or some value out of the, the time you invested listening to the podcast I would really appreciate it if you would give me that feedback and let me know what you like and what you don't like, either in the comments uh, on the on the blog post on TechSpective or uh, review the uh, podcast in iTunes. Um, but regardless, uh, again, I just really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Thank you.